Welcome back, everyone, to the Star Wars Historian Show here on the Gazebo Effect Network and also on YouTube. I'm your host, David Gonzalez, and I'm back with my co-host, Luke Fornay. Hey! <laughs> wow. What more do you want from me? <laughs> I, I, the expectations, I, I just expected so much more. And... <laughs> hmm. Like you're you're about to be a father now, and that's really oh, I can't awesome. say oh, hey anymore. I, you know, I, I'm just pushing you to be better. Well, depending depending on when this podcast gets released, I might already be a father. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, depending on when you release it. Okay. Well, this one's coming out on Monday. Okay, well then I won't I won't be a father by Monday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, we are back to talk about chapters. What is it now? Eighteen, uh, nineteen, yeah. and twenty of the Mandalorian with a special guest. He's first time not on the podcast like ever because he's he's been a long time guest, but. The first time on this new season, and it's my twin brother, Daniel. Daniel, how are you, man? I'm 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 good. I'm excited to be back to talk a little Mando with y'all. Just ignore me as I'm switching my camera for like the tenth time. But you can't do that. We're already recording. Yeah, we're already recording. Well, like then, it's already it's already a thing. Screw it. Hey, this is just yeah, a bonus gotta, feature for the for the YouTubers. Or the YouTubers. <laughs> for the YouTubers. Yeah, that's right. That's mm -hmm. not correct. Yep. <laughs> It's not. They they do support us with their view or listen. Either way. I mean, mm. it's not monetized yet. We're not that big yet, but hopefully one day, one day soon. Um but yeah, we are here to talk about the Mandalorian. We talked about the first episode of this new season. We've been gone for a little bit, so we're covering the second, third, and fourth episode of season three. But so but we're already halfway through the season. So Daniel, talk to us first, and then Luke, about your thoughts of season three now that we're already halfway through. Yeah, I think I think for me, I've enjoyed it so far. Um, we'll get a little bit into um, these last two episodes. There's just a lot for me because I love Mandalorians and the fact that we get so much new information maybe it's not new because i don't read books or com comic books um but for me it's like a lot of new mandalorian experiences that i get to see in terms of like you know how is life you know living in a covert like what is that like what's the training like what's you know the relationship between one another and i think we see a lot of that we get to see a lot of mandalorian lore i think if if you want to be technical a lot of lore coming out and we see that um while he's on mandalore and so those parts are my favorite just not exactly like action or stuff like that but more of like the lore mm -hmm. is what i've gotten a lot from this season which has been amazing yeah i second that the getting to look more into mandalorian culture kind of as it should be uh yep. has been really good but uh Apart from that, okay, just kind of general impressions of the show. I, it's been generally a, a lot more 
happier than I thought it was going to be, if that makes sense. Um, particularly with Din Djarin's story. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about a very unhappy episode um, this <laughs> podcast. Mm, but yeah. the actual storyline with Din Djarin and Bo-Katan, that's going a lot smoother than I originally thought it was going to be. Yep. And it's, mm-hmm. this is like, while you don't necessarily have that drama that you would have had otherwise, it's also nice just to let the drama be external <laughs> and not just within the ranks. Um, so yeah. uh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. It's not how I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's a good thing. I mm-hmm. think it's good that it seems to be going in a direction that that is unexpected. Like I have no, we've seen so much footage of different things. We know that the Mandalorians, especially the children of the watch are going to have this huge kind of action scene at some point in time and that we haven't seen it yet. And there's so many different possibilities that we could have because we know Moff Gideon's going to be, it's going to play a huge role in that. We know Bo-Katan. I've, I can't express enough how much I've enjoyed her character in this season. Yeah, and I remember when we had this conversation probably about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago about, you know, who, who's a true Mandalorian? Is it, the armorer or is it Bo-Katan or something along those lines where we, we put them together. And at that point, Bo-Katan's character had been one of just like, well, let's look at her past and look at what, what has happened to her. And we're saying those things again, but in a new light mm-hmm. of seeing her character again, evolve in such a different way that I, I don't think any other character has evolved as much as she has, other than maybe, obviously, Darth Vader um, through the prequels yeah. and the original trilogy, those kinds of things. But Bo-Katan has been one of my favorite parts of this new season. Din Djarin's story, he hasn't progressed as far, but I'm. It, it's hard to progress a character who's already pretty awesome already who you don't really need to spend a lot of time of exploring his character because we spent season one doing that. We're with him in season two. And like you guys are saying, season three is more of a Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. uh, This sounds weird, but it's like a nature show or Mm -hmm. like, like on natural geographic, like we're exploring the people of Mandalore in such an incredible way that it's just, it's captivating. And the action hasn't been necessarily something to, like, it, like there's not, not action in every single episode. And that's right. not even the focus of it. Yeah. But the stories that they're telling in this season has been so great that it seems like when we talk about season one, they really laid down the groundwork for Din Djarin and his character and Grogu also coming into the fray. Season two was more of a lot of cameos, which to me made sense story-wise, but there were a lot of cameos that were happening in the show. Mm-hmm. But then in season three, they they reversed the clock again and said, okay, 
not that many cameos. I mean, other, other than the Mandalorian people that we've already seen before, you know, just not a whole lot of that going on. But let's again focus back on the story. I'm having a lot of fun with this season in a, in a different way than I think that we've enjoyed season two and even season one. This show just keeps evolving in a way that they're doing something new. And I don't know exactly how to explain it, but I've, I've, I've enjoyed what they've given us so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to kind of go ahead and talk through these chapters we're going to go through the second chapter of this season second episode of this season which was entitled sorry i'm trying to pull it up now believe it's the convert the convert yes absolutely so when we left din and grogu we are now about to enter in like traveling into mandalore at this point um mm-hmm. or no are we are we are we there yet are we in chapter no. 18 sorry chapter 18 my bad the chapter minds 18, of mandalore the minds of mandalore yeah so oh, we get to no you're good you're good first to explore or go back to um tatooine i got a little bit of a hot take this might be this might be bad i might get canceled for this I'm getting a little bit annoyed with Pelimoto. There was something that had. she there's something that she said that kind of made me a little bit upset. Okay. The fact that when he lands and she's like, Hey, like, what are you here for? Are you here to take out Boba Fett? I'm like, you do realize he just fought with him. <laughs> yeah. You were there. You were there when it happened. Hmm. So the fact that, you know, I don't know who wrote this episode, but the fact is that they just wanted to throw in Boba Fett's name and didn't even throw it in in the right way. Because Hmm. why would she say, you know, are you here to take out Boba Fett? He just fought with him. Yeah. There's no reason why he would come back and to knock him off for any reason. And so I thought it was just a cheap way to throw in Boba Fett's name, but they didn't even do it correctly. Mm. That was my gripe with yeah. Pelly being there, the fact that she said that. Mm-hmm. But that's more of a writing issue than anything else. Just like the continuity was not there because it just didn't make sense. That 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 specific and I know I'm probably nitpicking, but for me that was just <laughs> a, that was just a huge thing that I didn't like, the fact that she was like, "Are you here to take out Boba Fett?" Mm-hmm. It's just I didn't like it. As for your hot take, David, I kind of, I, I'm, I, I'm almost there with you. Yeah, I, 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 I think I almost am too. Yeah. I don't know if I'm fully like to annoyance level yet because to me it does make sense that, that he Din keeps Jarn going, goes there. Yeah, because he yeah, going. he's he's very much a creature of habit, right? So he doesn't want yes, to buy a new yes. droid; he wants the old droid. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. whenever he wants the old droid, he goes to the only droid person that he knows who happens to be on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, to me, I think it all makes sense story-wise and why Din Djarin right. does it. Yeah. I think I was more just bummed, and, and maybe this will pay off later in the season. Like, surely it must. 
Um, but I was just bummed that we were so quickly moving from, I need specifically an IG unit to mm-hmm. get me on the planet to, uh, yeah. we'll just have this crappy cowardly R5 unit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, even with that gripe, it makes sense. It's, it's a rare droid part. It's mm-hmm. not going to be just at the first place you look for it. And mm. I understand all that, but it just rubbed me a little bit wrong that, you know, there's this big <laughs> yeah. expectation for IG and instead we right. have this crappy right. astromech instead. Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah. so let me, let me explain my hot take for, for a quick second. So yes, I a hundred percent agree she had to be there because you're right. Din Djarin is a creature of habit that, you know, he, he only trusts a certain amount of people. That's why he always goes. That's why he went to Navarro, Navarro in the first place. I mean, mm-hmm. because one for grief Karga and two for that IG unit. And also for Pelimoto. I think my complaint more than anything is just, it, it kind of goes with along. It kind of goes along with Daniel's comment about, you know, are you here to take down Boba Fett to where I think her character is being used as comedic relief and solely comedic relief that I'm just like, uh, it's not that funny to me. Like it's, it's a little bit annoying, but what I do like that Peli Moto, what she was involved in at the beginning of the episode is that we get another reference to the prequels, which is the Buddha Eve classic. Yeah. I thought that was a yeah. beautiful touch that was cool. in, in this show to just highlight, oh, it's not just this just random kind of thing. No, this is a big deal. Yeah. Like the Buddha Eve classic. Like every year. Yeah. Every year, it's a, it's basically like the Daytona 500 for Star Wars. And it's also apparently a big payday for crooked uh, mechanics. Yeah, right. <laughs> for people crash or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also a big deal that Anakin Skywalker, as a nine-year-old boy, won this race. It, it just shows you how extremely powerful he was in the mm-hmm. Force, even at nine years old. So I thought yeah. that that was pretty cool. Uh, talking about that R5 unit, that in legends was force sensitive <laughs> are we thinking cool. that it's the same r5 unit i think it, it is it is the same r5 it unit. very similar but i just didn't know if like the last two digits were the same or not yeah, yeah. It, it is they are five d4 yeah and the uh gallery of the mandalorian i think season yeah. one mm-hmm. they they talked about how it was the same one that <laughs> that was in a new hope yeah but it, it, yeah it, so i thought that that was a good touch i, I am i think i think it is going to come back later on in season three of about ig11 and him finding getting that part back and being a i think he he's going to be on navarro mm. Because I think the Mandalorians are going to go to Navarro yeah. here pretty soon. According to just the trend of how everything's going and especially what happened with the pirates in, in the first episode of the season yeah. and seeing how all of that kind of works together, I think IG-11 will be at that battle. And I think he's like plays like a huge pivotal role in that 
it is kind of unfortunate that we quickly, after focusing on, on it, we on just moved the, on to the next trade. thing. Yeah, we just went on to the next so thing. Quickly. So, so yeah, that's true. Which and and again, I whenever I was voicing all those things, these are I guess yes. complaints and gripes that I have, but they're not complaints and gripes without understanding the fact that they have to hit so many points in this season. <laughs> like yeah. there's so many, <laughs> gotta do things so many things. That things. Crazy. To do. And yes. the things that they've done in these th- three episodes that we're covering today are incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in saying that, let's go ahead and move on to them going to con. Well, so a really cool scene of, Din and Grogu on the ship. They're arriving towards the planet of Mandalore and Din is spending his time explaining and telling Grogu about, oh, this is Mandalore. This is the homeworld of of our people. And every Mandalorian can trace our roots back to this planet and the Beskar mines, saying that he never went to Mandalore, but he grew up on the planet of Concordia, which to me as a Clone Wars fan, I was like, oh man, this, and like for Daniel, I'm pretty sure for you, this has to be like a huge moment as a Mandalore fan of basically uh, like, like we did with the Jedi order through Qui-Gon master and apprentice Mm -hmm. Dooku Jedi lost of just again, exploring deeper and deeper into the culture of Mandalorians. Yeah, just because I think I remember, like you said, a year and a half ago when we were talking about Bogotan and Din, about how different their Mandalorian coverts or whatever you want to call it are. The fact is, is that, you know, I had a theory that, you know, Din's kind of section of Mandalorians were a kind of like a descendant from the Death Watch. Well, now Mm -hmm. that we know that it's from Concordia where Death Watch... uh, was kind of where they actually lived kind of, you know, put that together. Me, I was like, okay, then they are, you know, from that same kind of area of Concordia mm-hmm. where they, they, you know, they still lived um, the way versus Mandalore, which kind of changed ways, you know, to a certain point in their history. And so for me hearing Concordia, I was just like, man, like, like you said, being a fan of the Clone Wars, I was like, man, this is so cool that, that we're hearing this right now. And so I brought a lot about of history and, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of these moments in this season where we're learning about, you know, what it was like on Mandalore um, and then also what it was like on Concordia and, and this and that. And so for me, hearing Concordia, you know, said on live action after seeing them in the Clone Wars was was amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so. From there, as he's explaining, he they go to Mandalore, and what an incredibly painful shot of the the old dome that w- is now mm-hmm. been destroyed, um, and we get to see them go into the mines and explore. We see two things: Amlanites, which is a kind of monster creature that mm-hmm. that Din and Mando face initially and then we're introduced to something brand new that is called according to star wars wiki spider tank of this weird looking kind of creature that 
it, it has six limbs, quills on its back coming out, all of this kind of stuff. And and then is captured by this creature. And we get to see for, I think the first time, apart from his training with Luke and the Book of Boba Fett, but we really get to focus on Grogu's abilities and able to do things by himself. That is really, really cool because Din gets captured and Grogu has to go and get Bo-Katan, the closest person he can get to help Din to kind of escape this huge spider tank thing. Mm. Um, but and I think for most of this episode, this was my favorite part of seeing Bo-Katan and Grogu together. Yeah. Um, mm. As she takes kind of like at first when she sees like Din Djarin's ship coming down again, she tells her droid who's there, just like, oh, we got to finish this. And I'm like, is she about to, was she about to fight Din Djarin and all that kind of stuff? But then when she wrecked and then she's like, I told you not to come back here anymore or whatever. And then it's Grogu, how her just attention just shifts into, oh, I got to go rescue him. And we spend most of the episode following that. But talk to me about, some of your favorite things from this section of the episode. Creepy spider robot. <laughs> creepy spider robot. I like the creepy yeah. spider robot. What you like about it? It's creepy. It's a spider that, robot. Luke Luke loves scary stuff. That's like, like his MO. I do like scary Star Wars, particularly Star Wars related. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's some other things. Uh, for example, I feel like, and, and I'm surprised this hasn't shown up in any wiki or anything, uh, but the Alamites, um, I don't know if you all know this, but I, I think they're actually, like their design is kind of an homage to old science fiction because there's this mm -hmm. book and then subsequent movies called The Time Traveler and... Um, I guess the main kind of race of villains in that story are called the Morlocks, and they're these kind of big blue people with mm -hmm. white hair, and that's uh, like what the Alamites are, and they're both mm -hmm. known to eat people. Um, nice. So I thought that was cool. I think, pretty sure that was an homage. If not, then I just am an expert at reading into things. Uh, <laughs> those, mo those both might be true. This might both be true, rather. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I appreciated Bogotan's rise to the occasion. Uh, mm. It really shows, I don't know, a, maybe a change in character and or just like the step in the direction that she's going to take in these next two episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But it was... It was good to see her step in and help Grogu and Din Djarin. Yeah, I think for me, uh, Bo-Katan, I think her development or just even seeing her more on screen and kind of without Mando. And really, we just get her basically talking to us because technically, you know, we can't talk either. Grogu can't talk. So most of the time she's just talking. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, and her just talking about what life was like on Mandalore and the fact that, you know, hey, like you're a Jedi. You know, I've known Jedi. I fought alongside Jedi. And so they're, 
really powerful. So the fact that you have the force is really interesting and really cool. And so her talking mm-hmm. about Jedi and was super cool for me. Um, seeing her handle the dark saber. Um, yeah, was also cool. was really cool because she's really good at using it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, that's what I'm kind of excited for. Like, Hey, does she, you know, help then train with it? Is this all facade so that way she can get the dark saber back? Um, and like there, there's a theory that I have that's going to be towards the end of this last episode. Um, but the fact is, is that you know I like where Bo-Katan is at right now. I like mm-hmm. where where she gets um, to be at the end of this episode. The fact that, like you said, David, she's very. She wants to fight then, or that's what it seems like. And then at the end of the episode, you know, she's concerned about him or, you know, wanting to make sure he's okay and actually rescuing him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this yet because I don't know if, or, if you're going to go through the episode anymore or can I talk about what my favorite part well, of the I was, was? It, I mean, it is going to be the last thing we do talk about for this specific episode, but it mm-hmm. is the whole after Din is rescued by Bo-Katan and Grogu, they they find, she's like, all right, if you really want to go to the, to the living waters, living waters of, of, of Mandalore, I guess I'll take you there and we'll go. There's nothing significant about the water at all, like ever. And she was like, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to do this. Mm. And, he takes a plunge he goes in he's saying the creed that we we kind of saw in the first episode as well of that little boy and he just falls straight through mm-hmm. and so Bogatan goes and rescues them and as she's carrying lifting him back up her camera lights are on and we get to see a mythosaur mm-hmm. yeah as yeah. the episode I'm so excited for it closes yeah. it looks awesome yeah mm-hmm. i'm yeah. super i can't wait to see it in its fullness because we we have to we have yeah. to you can't tease us like that and then say oh no we're gonna show more of it in season four like, right you can't like it has to be this season but what do you guys think after this episode is the significance of the mythosaur what do you think the mythosaur is how how is it going to play a role into what this season does well Well, so what okay go ahead no no you (laughs) okay okay i'll go first and then you can actually say things that are facts and not just what i think um (laughs) but the fact is is that i jotted this down somewhere um the fact of the matter is based on what you know bo-katan was kind of saying the fact that the mythosaur signify uh signifies the rise of mandalore so the fact that we see one here is according to the you know their lore is very significant now mm-hmm. it's important to realize why bo-katan does not tell din what she saw mm-hmm. and i think that's important but she does yeah. tell the armor eventually mm-hmm. and so i think that you know, this is going to be a big thing. And this might be kind of what the focus is of this season mm-hmm. is what is going to be the state of the Mandalorians after season three? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see them reform and regather and go back to Mandalore? Mm-hmm. 
Is that what we're going to see? And so for me, I, that's the significance of the Mythosaur, that it signifies the rise of Mandalore again. So that, I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, so with the appearance of the Mythosaur, I think uh, Daniel's right, because this is clearly a point that they make in the um, earlier episodes of The Mandalorian, is that whenever the Mythosaur reappears, that's whenever the new Mandalore will reappear. The question mm -hmm. then, and this question is made even more fraught after this latest episode, mm -hmm. but the question is, is it appearing for Din Djarin or is it appearing for Bo-Katan? Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. at, at this point, I think I'm okay if it goes either direction, yep. but it's going to be tricky, right? Because at this, mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season, I was totally team Din Djarin is the Mandalorian, or he's well, he's the Mandalorian. He's going to be the future Mandalore. But he's going to be the future Mandalore, as I said in our last episode. But mm -hmm. now, based off of kind of the arc that Bo-Katan has had and her redemption into the kind of yep. Children of the Watch, I'm more okay with her being Mandalore again. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But I think I still would prefer it if it was Din Djarin. Um, not just because yeah. he's the main character, but, you know, he's also the reluctant leader. Like, he didn't exactly. want the yes. Dark Saber in the first place. Right. Uh, yeah. But the problem is, like, Bo-Katan knows how to use it, and mm -hmm. Din Djarin doesn't. Right. So you have all of these different things that you're just kind of weighing against each other and not really sure which one's going to come out on top. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think for me uh, on that end is the fact that, hey, right now, for me, I'm just trying to make peace with it. Of a, like, okay, how do they continue to be, I guess, partners at this point mm -hmm. with the fact that, hey, the Mythosaur could be a signifying of Din Djarin's rise or Bo-Katan's rise. Um, but based on what we've seen from Din to this point has been, I don't want to be the leader. You know, yeah, he's like you said, Luke, he was reluctant, reluctant to have the Darksaber. He wanted to give it away. It didn't mean that much to him when he got it. And the fact that just in this season also, when he went to Bogotan, it was to join her. Yeah. Fully knowing Bogotan is the leader of her group. He was mm -hmm. willing to go and be like, hey, I want to accompany you guys to, you know, to Mandalore. Yeah. I don't need to be the leader. And part of me mm -hmm. feels that that might be why there will be conflict, but why I couldn't see conflict in their future. Just mm -hmm. because Din has never been the character to be like, I need to be this. I need to be that. Bo-Katan has always been, I need to be the next Mandal. I need to be the leader. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so and, I think so, it, go ahead. So I was thinking with that, then, um, and you, I, this might be the direction you're going. This might be completely different. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, that his reluctance to like grab power is what exactly what qualifies him to be Mandalore, to be the the leader. I I um, was thinking that. I was thinking that of like maybe that's why mm -hmm. he should be the leader because but, maybe he's willing to weigh out his options and. Mm -hmm you know, do the right thing because 
although he's not supposed to be necessarily the good guy. Right. But he has been a hero up to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, having the opportunity to turn in the child, the pop the popular decision was for him to save it, go against the guild, yeah. and he did, and he won. Yeah. And then obviously going toe to toe with the remnants of the empire also signifies hero. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe his reluctancy, I think you're right, Luke, maybe his reluctancy to be a leader is what qualifies him to lead Mandalore um, when he eventually realizes, hey, I'm, I might, I might want to be a leader. Right. So, Well, and it might even be something more along the lines of later on in the season, Bo-Katan's mind is going to be changed. Mm. Uh, that, I think... Following the certain trajectory that she is going in mm-hmm. is, is certainly a possibility. I don't know necessarily that it, that it has to be the case, mm-hmm. but I think there might be like an episode or two of kind of internal conflict within Bo-Katan, uh, maybe even like materializing in external arguments or things like that. But I think a, a potential kind of way out a potential way that I would write the story mm-hmm. is uh, for her to eventually be like, I tried this before and it didn't work. I, I tried this before and I didn't think about kind of my other Mandalorian brothers and sisters as I do now. Mm-hmm. So really this responsibility belongs to you now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but We'll just have to see. Mm-hmm. So my two cents on this is I think the Mythosaur Bogotan is going to think it's going to be for her. Mm-hmm. I think it ultimately is going to be Din Djarin who is able to tame and then ride the Mythosaur. What was really cool about the re- like again we talk about all the lore that's being dropped in this episode specifically they dropped the name mandalore the great mm. which mm-hmm. is a huge significance into especially if you're trying to tie in and again dave filoni has done this beautifully in terms of t- tying things from the from the eu from legends and putting it into canon in a way that kind of makes sense and keeps everything together canonically. Mm-hmm. So with the mention of Mandalore the Great and the Mythosaur, kind of what we're talking about, would it be great to see Bo-Katan as Mandalore and really just hit it on a tee? I think she believes so. And I think with her seeing the Mythosaur... It, it's already engaging for her of everything that she thought about it's cursed this, this, and that, this is a way that I can make things right and be the leader that my people need. I think that is something that's going to be explored. Something again, that we see towards the end of this latest episode that we just had is that very idea of her kind of thinking through that already and being like, this is a real possibility. Maybe I can do this. Mm -hmm. And with Din being kind of like that reluctant hero of, you know, this is not really what being Mandalore is not really what I'm caring about. I have a child that 
I'm mm-hmm. trying to train up and grow and all this different kinds of stuff, but it mm-hmm. could be thrusted upon him mm-hmm. at some point in time. Yeah. How that struggle works out between Bo-Katan and Din Djarin, that's going to be the interesting thing that we see. And I think the Mythosaur itself is going to play a role in that. So He's going to choose. I, I, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. Like, like Secrets I, of Dumbledore. Yeah, about the chilling. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that too. I don't think it's going to be that as like, oh, the Mythosaur is going to bow down to Din Djarin because he's right. a pure heart. But I maybe think- he'll be aggressive, and then whoever walks up to him and he's not aggressive towards signifies who Mandalore. <laughs> I, it, be. it really is going to be who can tame him, who can, yeah. who can, yeah. who can control him in in a way. Um, I think Bo Katan will fail. This is prediction time. Uh, uh, I think Bo Katan's going to try and she's going to fail, and mm-hmm. Din's going to be the only one who can. So I, I believe what we've essentially done is we have paired the second episode of the season with the, with the last, the last episode, one, which I think is very fair, yeah. by the way. Yeah, and, I think so yeah. too. So yeah. I'd rather just talk, just treat it like that, if that's okay. Yeah, me too. Uh, so let's re- jump, okay, let let's well, jump in then. To yeah. the only well, thing, the only thing I will say, yes, from chapter from the third episode, I still want to talk about is, the third episode. But, right, right, right. But just to kind of get us there in terms of. Uh, Din Djarin yeah. and all of them is that what we see in the beginning of the third episode is the fact that the Empire comes and destroys uh, Bo-Katan's uh, castle Bo-Katan's castle which is truly sad and tragic and they said okay I mean, well, we got to get out of here that's her last I guess that would be her last remembrance of her old mm-hmm. life because the fact right. that when everything failed she retreated back to that castle mm-hmm. and she was just yeah. Wanting, be, wanting to be left alone in her place of mm-hmm. solace. And the fact that the Empire took it away from her, you know, yeah. she's devastated at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, Din Djarin goes back to where the Children of the Watch are with the armorer. They come back and they said, well, you've, Din, not only are you cleansed and you're redeemed, but Bo-Katan, since you also went into the water, you were also redeemed because you didn't take on take off your helmet. She says, "But I don't, I don't walk in the way. I don't walk the way. Like, well, you can. <laughs> well, well, do you, the- did you do these things? You're walking in the way. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, uh, which, uh, by the way, just real quick, I am so relieved that they did it that way. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting the redemption of Bo-Katan. I wasn't either. either. Yeah, I wasn't. I was mainly happy that." they followed through on saying that Din Djarin, if you do this, you will be back. Yeah, me and too. I'm glad I'm, they did I'm that. Glad they did that. And then I was pleasantly surprised, surprised to be sure, mm-hmm. um, mm. by Bogotan's redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we see in chapter four is really a focus on Grogu mm-hmm. and his story a little bit. I mean, we see a, a, a child, which is, uh, Paz Vizsla's child was it was pretty obvious was taken it was pretty obvious by the helmet we said that in in the after seeing the first episode we said ah that's got to be his kid and mm. so we see him going um being kidnapped by this huge huge uh winged creature which monsters are just a huge thing in the Mandoverse right now and this is particularly on this planet <laughs> but, yeah, yeah for real and and so the, there's a mission led by Bo-Katan, which is a really, really cool thing to go rescue him. They end up doing mm-hmm. that, all that stuff. 
but we really focus on Grogu's story. And I think they have a great scene initially with the boy who was taken. Uh, but before that, he and Grogu go against each other, shooting darts um, and Grogu using his force abilities to have the advantage when he was losing uh, and seeing. I think it was really funny, though, of everyone including myself was saying i don't think grogu's ready for this yeah like i like especially when we think about mandalore like fighting circles mm-hmm. right i was not thinking oh grogu is ready for this yeah mm. but i love the change of saying like oh what choose your weapon darts all right yeah. well that's something grogu could do yeah. it was really cute seeing grogu with this like dart launcher on yeah. his, like on his wrist it was just really cute. And seeing Bo-Katan also comfort him was a really cool thing. And so that, I, I thought that that was a really good scene. But and then Jaren being a good dad. But yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, but you know what? I, it feels like Din is a dad and Bo-Katan is his mom. Yeah, it is a little it, bit like that. Like they're, like they're a happy family. That's so, what it seems it, like. That, that is kind of one of the things I was thinking after seeing the second episode and the fourth episode is I love you love Bo-Katan. I love Bo-Katan and Din Djarin <laughs> together. I, I think that's weird to say. Yeah, I don't think it's unusual though because I think there's probably a lot of people shipping that right now. I even this watching this last episode, I was like, is that is that a thing? Is that, is that gonna happen? <laughs> I don't really necessarily want it to be a thing, but it it could be. It could wow. be. I I. I ship it. I really do. Mm-hmm. I guess I thought, it, and maybe this will happen if she loses her other shoulder pad. But I thought that whatever she mm. got the new, oh yeah, would be the mudhorn. Um, but man, if she gets a mudhorn, then that's game over. That's it. Game <laughs> over. <laughs> wedding ceremony season four. Basically, just the wedding ceremony right there, where they reject yeah. the way and take off their helmets. Well, apparently that's part of the way. I don't. I don't know all the mechanics of that, but that is yeah. I, so something happened. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Much I, I want to say about that. Mm, yep. <laughs> good. That's good. Um, but moving on with Grogu's story, so we spend most of his time as they go off and they do that mission to to rescue that child and bring him back, or that foundling and bring him back. Mm. Want to use the correct correct there, right? Is, we spend the time with Grogu and the armorer, but more importantly, we get to see who rescued oh, yeah. Grogu finally from Order 66. And it wasn't who we thought it was, no. but man, it was good. Was it perfect? It was perfect. Uh, Luke, you go first. You're the prequel boy here. Talk to me about your thoughts of who the Jedi was that rescued Grogu. I, so I actually didn't realize uh, who was the actor <laughs> until I got to the credits. Um, yeah. But whenever he, like as soon as he popped up on the screen and he like grabbed that second lightsaber and was blocking all these blaster bolts, I was like, okay, get it. And <laughs> he was just like, clearly this guy who, is very in tune with the force and very like combat savvy and knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. 
and it's just like this is the coolest guy ever and then whenever i was just like about to turn off disney plus i was about to look away and the in the credits it said ahmed best and i was like what oh my goodness and for those of you who don't know ahmed best is the actor who portrayed Jar Jar Binks in the prequel trilogy. And unfortunately, he has been unfairly ravaged by Star Wars fans for things that were really out of his control. Mm -hmm. uh, it really was. Yeah. And it was really, it was really great to see him here in a role where there is no like mockery to be had. Like he just mm -hmm. comes in, he kills it. He's Jedi Master Kelleran Beck, and he's yeah. here to kick butt, and it's mm. awesome. Yeah, for me, I like popped when I—it's yeah. a wrestling term, but I <laughs> totally popped when I when I saw him because, like, as soon as he I, those doors open and he walks through, I'm just like, oh my god, it's a mod best, and I was like, that is so cool to see. And I totally forgot the fact that he did. I forgot. It was like this YouTube show for kids. It was called it's like, like Jedi temple adventures or challenges, something along yeah, those like lines. Jedi I think. challenge or whatever. But the fact, like I totally forgot he did that because I do remember them saying like, Oh, he's a Jedi master, you know? And I didn't think it was Canon at all. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is like he was, you know, Dave Filoni made him Canon. And so I thought, you know, it was so great to see him back on screen mm -hmm. um and i i was also really happy to see the reaction to him being back um because mm -hmm. it was just a, a flood of i think people our age and remembering jar jar when we were young and the fact that you know a lot of us thought that the treatment that he got after phantom menace was unfair and was cruel and mm -hmm. you know there's a couple posts that I that I've seen on on TikTok that you know really made me upset about the fact that this was his redemption. And I'm just like a redemption is something that you did and you are being redeemed for. The fact of the matter is when he was in Phantom Menace, those the choices that were made for him were not his own. He played yeah. a character. So the fact that there are people out there it's like, "Well, he he what he did redeem himself." No. He no, didn't yeah. because he never mm -hmm. deserved the treatment in the first place. He, yeah. you know, if you want to say you didn't like the character that he played in Phantom Menace, that's one thing. Right. But the fact that this man was pushed to suicidal thoughts because of that treatment is not his fault. No. Mm -mm. And I refuse Nor to mm -hmm. validate the thinking that he redeemed himself with this because he did not. He was mm -hmm. he's always been a good actor. Mm -hmm. And what he did mm -hmm. was he came back because he wanted to and they wanted to bring him back. And, yeah. You know, he wanted to do what he loved and mm -hmm. no one should ever be made to be to feel less because of right. previous work. That wasn't it. like Luke said, the decisions, his dialogue or whatever the ideas of the character were out of his out of his control. Right. And so I'm I'm so happy that it was a mod best. And I, I hope we see more of him um, mm -hmm. because I think based on, like, I guess where the timeline is and what we've already seen from Kenobi, you know, I feel like there might be some a little bit of story left for him. We don't know. Maybe uh, I I'm probably going to take that clip 
of what you just said about his redemption art and post that on TikTok because I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's something it. that more people should should hear because it's absolutely true. Ahmed Best, the only reason why Jar Jar was as good as Jar Jar was was because of Ahmed Best. Like, mm-hmm. I think if anybody else would have been in that role, it would have tanked. Like, it would have yeah. just not been it good. It would have been worse. But he, yeah. he, he, he pulled it off, and he did a really good job as Jar Jar. So it's not as his redemption arc. I think what I was saying is, is that um, for Ahmed Best, him playing Keller and Beck, is he's finally receiving the, the, the praise and the adulation that he deserved right. over... 23 years ago mm-hmm. and he finally he finally got it and to mm-hmm. me that's that him showing up was it's probably going to be my favorite as as far as right now it obviously could change later but i think it will stand the test of time of it this being my favorite moment from the mandalorian not just because of what it means in the show but what it means outside of this show mm-hmm. of Ahmed Best finally, finally um, being given some credit for yeah. everything he's done for mm-hmm. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's I'm I'm glad that yeah I th- I think this is just echoing what I've already said, but I'm glad mm-hmm. that he got the chance to to really show everybody and and to have a a, a good a good experience with Star Wars. Yeah, and I yeah. think there's a lot I, of people who get burned out, and and I exactly. think those people oftentimes they need to have another opportunity to have a good Star Wars experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If anything was like a redemption, the fact that hey, Star Wars actually did something positive for him, mm-hmm. right? You know? mm-hmm. it was Star he, Wars being redeemed, not Ahmed exactly, Best, not but. Ahmed Best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good point. But so we we already talked about some of this so that th- those are some of the things from chapter four episode four not chapter four because it's like chapter 20 something at yeah, this whatever. point but episode four of this season but in chapter 19 specifically in the convert we actually don't spend that much time we didn't spend much time with din Djarin or bo katan or grogu or the children of the watch we spent a lot of time with dr pershing and his yeah. story of him going through an amnesty program with the New Republic after working for Moff Gideon. And we get to see this interesting story of him meeting with amnesty scientist L-52, who actually's name is... Oh, shoot. What's her name? I'm trying to find um, her name, but... Yeah, me too. Uh, it should be. I think something. Yeah, Alecane. Yeah, yeah. So, just for the sake of time, I'm I'm just gonna share what what I loved about this their story again. Oh, this is definitely not a filler episode. Um, I'm tired of people using that word and using it wrong mm. in a wrong way. This this episode was so beautiful because first, Moff Gideon is definitely involved. I mean, Kane was definitely used as a secret confidant. agent, double agent, a confidant on mission for Moff Gideon to make sure that Pershing 
didn't squeal, didn't talk about anything, or didn't use his research to help the New Republic at all, because that's what Pershing wanted to do. Pershing's character, I'm, I'm so upset that he had yeah. the mind flare put on him to the full effect, yeah. um, because I really, I really think he could have done so much good for the New Republic. And he, like, mm. my favorite line that mm. he said in this show was, was two things. One of him saying, it's the right thing to do was like my favorite line. And then also of just, I just wanted to help like those two sentences sum up Dr. Pershing's character in a nutshell. Like all he wanted to do was help. And he explained this very idea that good intentions in the wrong hands could lead to something dangerous and immoral. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted to use it in a moral sense but the empire just comes, uh, or the what the, uh, the imperial remnant that is uh, still around won't allow that to happen. So a yeah. little bit of a sad episode, but I think it was a beautiful story. What about you guys? What did you enjoy uh, from this episode? I think for me, I didn't enjoy this episode as much as you guys probably did. Um, <laughs> just and only because I was looking forward because we were getting a bunch of Mandalorian stuff. And so yeah. I didn't want to take a break and move on to something else. Yeah. Um, and I'll be, and I'll be completely honest. At first I thought it was a filler episode. Um, only in the sense that it didn't move our Mandalorian story on. I felt where it was at the time, but you know, I merely put that thought out of my mind and there's a term that we have at work that we say fill the gap with trust. And so this is a gap that I'm putting filling in with trust. The fact that we will see returns on this. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's no reason why they would put this story in the middle of the Mandalorian and us not see its story come to fruition mm -hmm. soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, like, like David said, um, it is kind of like a precursor to the return of moff gideon i think yeah mm -hmm. um, it is i do think that we'll see him again and this just you know further cements like like i mean david you you put, put it perfectly um the fact that you know the cloning process we all know what this is going to lead to i think mm -hmm. we're starting to see where this is leading to i think this is going to lead us you know to the rise of skywalker mm-hmm um, and the fact yep. is that, you know, this is what Grogu, his initial plan was, was to always be the reason why Palpatine returned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we mm -hmm. and we saw and I think we saw that, but I think we quickly heard it and missed it in season two, which mm -hmm. is this child has ex uh, extraordinary properties. Yeah. Properties mm -hmm. that will one day restore the galaxy back into order. And I think he meant Palpatine. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. trying to bring him back. And I think this is filling in some of those gaps of how we get to the infamous line of somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What isn't somehow? There was a plan. And I think we're starting to see, you know, the beginning stages of, you know, his return. So for me, as long as I hold on to that idea of the fact that this is leading us to something. I think it's an episode that can easily not be called a filler 
when you put it in the right context of Star Wars. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, Daniel, you might actually be surprised to hear. I'm, I'm probably more with you on this than I am with David, just mm-hmm. because, you know, that second episode, we ended on such a high with yes. the reveal mm-hmm. of the Mythosaur. Yes. That I, I did feel a little bit hurt that in the next episode, yep. we weren't going to follow that up at all. Yep. Um, and and like you said, I, I had to fill it in with a little bit of trust because like, it's not as though Dave Filoni and John Favreau don't know that. Yep. It's not like they're like, oh... The, it's not like they're unaware that there's this really climactic event at the end of episode two and then episode three covers something completely different. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was a calculated, it must have been a calculated decision to be like, okay, at some point there has to be the Mythosaur reveal. At some point there's going to be a drop off, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. a drop in expectation or expectations aren't going to be met at some point and mm-hmm. we still have to tell this story as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this story is going to lead into things later on in the season. Right. So we better put it here. Mm-hmm. So I think it was all well thought out and calculated. And the fact that we had a uh, kind of Pershing story after this really big climax kind of mm-hmm. helps like sort of uh, ease our expectations down in the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. So looking yeah. back at it, like it makes sense mm-hmm. in the moment. It was a little bit of a letdown. And, and mm-hmm. I'm being honest with that. I think the story is great. I think it needed it to be told. Uh, but in the moment, I didn't know why I was seeing it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and I get, and I get, um, you know, people have been posting about it. The fact that this was the lowest viewed Mandalorian episode mm-hmm. all time. I think I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see that, and and so like I I get that, but at the same time I'm like, how would that be when we just came off one of the best endings that we ever had? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a lot of people were like, hey, we just saw this amazing you know climax to an episode, and then no one tunes in. Yeah, no one. Week, no, yeah, you know, and we started with yeah the mandalorian and bo katan so you know it's there's always things that you know puzzle me about the star wars fandom um but yeah like like david you you enjoyed it i mean i i enjoyed it to some degree but i'm more of i'm gonna fill the gap with trust of hey i'm gonna trust in what dave filoni and what john favreau are gonna do because i do think this will pay off and it will pay off in a big big way yeah, so the way that I, and this will be the closing thought as as we kind of wrap up this episode, but mm-hmm. I, I think the way that I viewed this episode, it's it's kind of like, you know, when you're younger and your parents, they finally do what you thought that they were going to do and take you to McDonald's, mm-hmm. but you don't go inside McDonald's, you pick it up from the <laughs> drive-thru and then you have to wait until you get home to actually eat it. Mm. but the mm. smell is there so they Preach. it's like no oh, that's so good so, it, so it's like i think dave and john knew for sure it's just like mm-hmm. okay we're about to go into this huge yeah. cloning thing to bring moff gideon back in and so we're gonna go away from this story for a little bit but let's give them 
a little something to just hint about what's coming in the future. Mm. So let's give them this mythosaur finding. And then they said, okay, we gave you a taste of that. Now we're going to go to this. And so that way you have this to kind of hold you over until we get back to this story. I think that's what they were intending to do more so uh, than anything else. And so I, I looked at this episode as just, as just, oh man, they or I looked at the ending of chapter chapter 18. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and, sorry, of, of or looking at the end of chapter 18 and the beginning of 19 of saying, okay, we're going to give them this because mm-hmm. we have to go to this story. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be important for some reason. So yeah. that's why I love this episode because I, I thought, oh, Dave, you're do- mm. just like how people feel about Dave Filoni and his um obsession with order 66 scenes like i think i think this is also something that dave and john love to do and that's uh-huh. to really they love misdirection little taste yeah they love to give yeah. people a little taste of something they and be to, like okay hold on we'll get yeah. back to it yeah have to they, wait for a little bit yeah. they love to tell people that we're going to mcdonald's and then they drive us to walgreens <laughs> yeah we gotta go get some medicine yeah. first no, and yeah. so what I would say to Star Wars fans, just fill the gap with trust, okay? Mm. Stop being idiots. Yep. Stop being stupid. Oh my gosh, Daniel, why Stop. do you have to call people idiots on every podcast you're on? David, we you literally know, do that every episode. You know what? <laughs> I don't think hey, we do. Hey, I'm just sick and tired of everyone complaining about everything. I feel I, that's that. fair. I and not, you, and I not using that. their brain and saying, hey, maybe there's a reason this is happening. <laughs> maybe and somebody it, yes. else is... is able is capable of creative thought too i mean like (laughs) maybe i don't know i mean maybe we should trust the guys that you know have been doing a great job the past two seasons yeah and i get that let's just feel let's just trust them and let's be patient Mm -hmm. until we make comments now if we get to the end of the season or end of the show and and it doesn't show back up ever (laughs) then you know then you never come back but until then just wait just Mm -hmm. wait yeah yeah i I think smile more yeah smile more Mm, to quote Mm. hambleton and that's a beautiful (laughs) way hambleton Hambleton. (laughs) sorry my bad i sometimes struggle to spec nice yeah reference to jar jar but that's going to do it for us here on the star wars historian show daniel thank you so much for coming on and talking through these last three episodes of the mandalorian with us hopefully to have you back soon to Mm. wrap this all up in a bow but yep. again, thank you so much for joining us. It's always fun when I get to talk with you guys. And so I'll be back at the end of the season. Yeah. And so maybe. if you're listening to, yeah, maybe. <laughs> said we'll maybe. If, wow. If, yeah, if, maybe. Uh, if uh, Elijah Kane also comes back. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's good. <laughs> we'll see. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what kind of mood I'll be in. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to us on podcasting services whether that's apple podcast spotify anything google podcast whatever it is make sure to subscribe or follow us and leave us a review as it helps us kind of grow uh into you know that the the, you know just helps us reach to more people so if you can do that for us we'd really appreciate if you're listening or if you're watching on youtube make sure to subscribe to the channel also follow us on instagram and twitter at the sw historian so for luke forney this is david gonzalez on the star wars historian show on the gazebo fat network and until next time may the force be with you
always. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs>